Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. All right, sir. How are we doing today? How's it going on this beautiful Friday? I am doing great. Fridays are always a day of celebration. And I I, I just have to say, Kentucky Guy, uh, I've heard some rumors. You know how rumors are. But it turns out that rumors of your demise were greatly exaggerated. Uh, They were. They were, my friend. They were. They were close, but they were exaggerated. So just uh, to fill everybody in on what Mr. Cage is talking about, uh, if you've noticed, we haven't had a couple episodes, and I personally want to apologize for that. Um, Ended up under the weather and unable to do the podcast on this show or any other show. Uh, But we are back in full force, and what a great time to be back with Crown Jewel and everything else coming up to bat in the wrestling world. Uh, Mr. Cage does have a uh, podcast that he created on his own and is also co-host of. Sir, if you'd like to go ahead and tell the audience about that. Thank you. Well, if you were into gaming, if you were into also talking about wrestling, if you're into movies, music, all that kind of pop culture stuff, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube. I co-host that podcast with Top Tier Brian and Jigsaw Jester. Fantastic. Yes. uh, Check it out when you do get a chance. Also, if you like to uh, catch up on the current latest world news or about the United States, uh, also, if you like to catch different interviews with authors, doctors, and so forth, also this month of November, our theme is November, the month of the stars. Uh, Every episode, we do have someone scheduled, a special guest that is either an entrepreneur, business owner, or a business owner's coat, and that is on the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I host it as well, and uh, we do drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. I did drop a special episode today, just basically telling everybody why uh, there hadn't been any episodes lately. (laughs) But right here on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast, we drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday, as long as we're both healthy and able to. And if you ever want to be a guest or have any questions, by the way, I need to say this before going any further. Thank you guys so much for the emails, wondering, making sure that Donnie or myself was okay, nothing was wrong because we hadn't posted. Guys, you just don't get that on social media these days. You just don't get audience members and fans uh, sending out personal emails just to check and make sure everything's cool. And, uh, you know, like I've said many times, Donnie or myself, we wouldn't want to do this without you, and we definitely appreciate all the support. But if you ever want to be a guest or send a note or ask either one of us questions, you always can at OLKentucky99 at yahoo.com 
okentucky99 at yahoo.com. All right, uh, Mr. Cage, I've seen that. Uh, did you want to step in there and say something? No, I just wanted to thank our audience, uh, just like you, Kentucky guy. We, Like you said, we couldn't do it without you. Yeah, and I, I thought it was so awesome, uh, Donnie. Uh, one of these days, uh, when I think about it, I'll forward you some of these emails uh, with some responses. Uh, the question was, you know, hey, is everything okay? You guys, you know, any technical? Is Donnie okay? Got a lot of that because if you remember, you had to work and missed the episode right before we took our little hiatus. Uh, so a lot of questions about you. And then once I told him what was going on, uh, you know, just a lot of, it's just heart touching, man. It was just fantastic. But, uh, yeah, let's get into today's episode. Uh, we're going to do things just a little bit different. Uh, we do have our crown jewel predictions coming up later. Uh, we're going to start off with, uh, my favorite segment that Donnie actually, uh, invented and brought to the show, uh, my fantasy booking. Uh, and then Donnie and I decided to do something just a little bit more creative where we haven't been there to kind of give you guys a treat. Uh, so he came up with his 10 favorite uh, promos done over the years uh, through any company and uh, wrestling company. And uh, I came up with 10 of my own as well. So we'll uh, go over those, but let's start off with our fantasy booking. And as always, Mr. Cage, uh, if you want to go ahead and start us off. Thank you, sir. Well, I've got, a, I've got a really good one. And I had, I, I kind of just thought about this one right before the uh, show. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm also getting over a little a little something as well. But anyway, uh, go back to the year 1990. Big year for the World Wrestling Federation. Also a big year for WCW as well. WCW was the first, it was the year that uh, Sting won his first World Heavyweight title. And then in the WWF, you had the Ultimate Warrior winning his very first WWF title. So if you remember... There was a storyline that they did in WCW. It's probably one of the most infamous storylines that they ever, ever did. It's considered very hokey and cheesy today. I'm, of course, talking about the Black Scorpion angle. And if you remember, after Sting won the world championship, several weeks later, they started airing these vignettes of this mysterious masked character whose voice was all muffled, and he would perform these magic tricks and he would reference the fact that he was from Sting's past. And, you know, he was called the Black Scorpion. And Sting had a couple of matches with him. He had one at, um, at a Clash of the Champions where the Black Scorpion was played by this wrestler named Al Perez. But he apparently was just a decoy. He wasn't the real Black Scorpion. Sting wouldn't actually wrestle the real Black Scorpion until December of that year at Starcade. He would wrestle him in a steel cage match. Sting would win that match. And after it, it was revealed that Ric Flair was the Black Scorpion. So this honestly could have been one of the coolest mysteries in the history of professional wrestling if it had been done right. And to me, what they should have done, and this is purely hypothetical because we all know that the person I'm going to talk about was signed by the WWF at the time. But let's pretend we live in a world where the Ultimate Warrior didn't win the World Wrestling Federation Championship at WrestleMania Six. Let's even pretend that maybe he wasn't in the main event at the time and his contract was up and he signed with WCW either for a short term period or, or, or long term, whatever the case was, maybe short term, we'll say a short term contract. And the ultimate warrior is the guy behind the mask who is trying to get under Sting's skin and, it was, and is gunning for the world title. And, you know, he, you could still do the whole him doing magic tricks and talking about how he's a figure from Sting's past and everything, but it all eventually leads up to a match between the two of them at 
Starcade in 1990. And the two of them still compete in the cage match. And it's obviously going to be a very different type of match because the Ultimate Warrior was not a great wrestler, unlike Ric Flair, who could wrestle his way out of, pa- out of a paper bag, honestly. Um, or I should say he could wrestle a paper bag and even make that look interesting. But um, yeah, so these two former tag team partners wrestle each other at the end of the match. You have the unmasking. You find out the ultimate warrior was the black scorpion all along. And truth be told, that could have potentially either been, been the end of his run in WCW, or they could have dragged the feud out even more. You know, you know, the the two could have uh, had some rematches. Maybe eventually the two of them could have even made up and formed an occasional tag team. Again, you could have seen a um, reunion of the blade runners, if you will. But uh, I just think it's an interesting alternate reality, if you will. Um, and would have made the reveal of who the Black Scorpion was just a little bit more interesting. Uh, yeah, that I mean, <laughs> that is definitely something to think about. The Black Scorpion, I agree with you in the sense that it could have been great. It really could have. Uh, I think everybody kind of knew... Uh, when that match happened, when it when it was revealed that it was Ric Flair, that it was Ric Flair. But up until then, uh, of course it wasn't. The guy got along, you know, he got around a lot, a lot different, his walk, uh, his movement, and what have you. To have the ultimate warrior step in that role could have been amazing. I think you're onto something there. It could have really been amazing because now when you look at the ultimate warrior, when he did win the WWF title from Hogan, it's kind of a joke now. Oh, my little warriors and, and what have you. And I mean, re- I hope he rests in peace. I don't have anything bad to say about the guy as a human, but his gimmick, yes, it worked for that time frame against the Hulkamaniacs, but coming in and having another feud, a huge feud with Sting would have been great. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, so go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what do, you, what do you have for us, Kentucky guy? All right, so my fantasy booking this week is actually a wrestler uh, who is still wrestling on the independent scene. Uh, he's somebody that was in the WWE for only one year. Uh, he's a multi uh, world champion, cruiserweight, light heavyweight champion as well. My fantasy booking this week is none other than Daniel Healy uh, Sawood Jr. He's better known as his ring name, Austin Aries. On January 22nd of 2016, WWE announced that Aries would be joining the NXT brand. On the March 2nd episode of NXT, he made his debut as a face, a baby face. He was introduced by general manager William Regal before being attacked by Baron Corbin. A match was booked between the two at NXT TakeOver Dallas on April 1st. Uh, Aries did defeat Corbin, and on May 18th episode of NXT, Aries teamed with the NXT champion at that time, uh, Shinsei Nakamura, to defeat the team of Blake and Murphy on May 25th episode. And the reason why I'm going over this is because I want to show you guys how quickly this went. It, it, it's, it just amazes me uh, when I looked all of this up. Then he declared his intention to become the NXT champion, which prompted a response from Nakamura. Uh, William Regal, who was the GM at that time, scheduled a match between the two at NXT TakeOver at the end of uh, June 8th which, of course, Shinsei Nakamura won uh, on June 22nd episode of NXT. Aries comes out to seemingly uh, thank No Way Jose for reminding him that wrestling was all about having fun. But in a prompt to, he attacked No Way Jose uh, during a dance party, which actually turned him from babyface to heel. 
Austin Aries, in my opinion, and Impact, wherever he's been, has always been a better heel than a babyface. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Part 2, Aries and Roderick Strong entered the second Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. They defeated Tucker Knight and Otis uh, in the first round and were scheduled to face TM61. And one of these days, I'm going to talk about this tag team because I'll never understand the push that they got. Uh, but they were scheduled to face TM61 in the second uh, round. However, Aries had to withdraw from a uh, from the tournament due to an injury. Uh, strong faced Shane Thorne in a singles match and was defeated. Uh, anyways, on October 27th, now here's where things get really, really strange. October 27th, same year, he's only with the company for a year. Uh, Aries suffered a large uh, orbital uh, socket injury during a live event in Fresno, California during a match against uh, Shinsei Nakamura and was expected to be injured until early 2017. It was actually revealed in November of 2016 that the permanent titanium plates were inserted to repair the injury into Austin Aries. On December 18th at Roadblock, end of the line, Aries made his WWE pay-per-view debut alongside Michael Cole and Corey Graves. He called the triple threat match between uh, Rick Swan and TJ Perkins and uh, the Brian Kendrick. Uh, the following night on Raw, Aries showed up, provided commentary during the Cruiserweight match. Uh, Aries also provided commentary alongside Graves and uh, Muro on 205 Live, as well as main event. So he was becoming a commentator uh, during his injury. And he wasn't a bad commentator either, uh, in my opinion, but he still had so much in the tank and he's still so young. Now we're in 2017, March 6th, episode Raw. Aries turns face by attacking the then cruiserweight uh, champion Neville during an interview with him. On March 7th, he made his 205 Live in-ring debut. Once again, not on SmackDown, not on Raw, 205 Live. <laughs> Uh, defeating Tony Nese on March 13th. He defeated uh, Davari uh, on his Raw in-ring debut on March 14th, episode of 205 Live. Uh, he uh, defeated TJ Perkins, uh, Tozana, and the Brian Kendrick, and Tony Nese in an elimination match to become the number one contender for the Cruiserweight Championship at WrestleMania 33. I'm sure we all remember that. Uh, he uh, he eliminated uh, Kendrick to win it. However, he did lose to Neville during, during the pre-show in the opening match at WrestleMania uh, 33. So needless to say, he did have another rematch uh, with Neville at Payback, uh, which he won by disqualification, but failed once again to get any sort of title uh, with the WWE. On July 7th, 2017, he was officially released. July 7th, 2017, he was officially released from the WWE contract. Initial reports stated that Aries was frustrated with his role in the company, and who wouldn't have been if this was, wasn't true, if this was actually true. Uh, he was frustrated with his role and asked to be let out of his contract. But Dave Meltzer stated Aries apparently did not ask for his release, and was said to be incredibly unpopular uh, with the WWE's writing staff and others backstage. 
in a 2019 interview, and I dug this up to watch it for myself just to make sure. It's very interesting. Aries actually confirmed that he did not ask for his release and was let go from his contract as the writing staff, quote, didn't have anything for him. My God. So here we have a guy, and this is before he came to the WWE. He is a 17-time world heavyweight champion. He's a six-time tag team uh, champion, co-holder. He has 16-time light heavyweight champion, X-Division, and cruiserweight championships. And that's just, I put them all together because to go through this guy's credentials, uh, we'd be here the rest of the show. He's currently wrestling in the National Wrestling Alliance, where he holds another heavyweight title, and he holds the cruiserweight title right now in the Control Your Narrative Wrestling Alliance. How, how can you sit there and say that this you don't have anything for a guy of this stature? First of all, yes, I understand he got hurt, but once again, this goes back when Vince McMahon was ahead of creative. He had these weird, I don't know what you call it. He took stuff personally. If a wrestler got injured, he took it personally. Like, oh, they're trying to destroy my business. Uh, blah. You know, come on. Injuries happen, especially in this sport. And this is a guy who's not, he's not unknown to injuries. He's had them throughout his career, just like most professional wrestlers. But he's always come back. This guy is like made a steal him and Bobby Roode had one of the best tag team alliances uh, to date when they were in impact wrestling and won the titles. So me personally, I think they really, really dropped the ball here. Uh, once again, uh, Austin Aries is one of those guys who you could actually build around in a company like the WW, like AEW surprise. He's, Never been there, but he's never showed up there yet. Uh, Who knows, though, because he's still young. And back in 2016 and 17, he was really young. You know, we're talking uh, six years ago almost. It's just, so anyways, he's my fantasy booking. I think they really messed up there. Um, Your thoughts? I would agree 100% with that. Um, Very underutilized talent in WWE. Whereas pretty much every other major promotion he's been with, whether it's Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor, he's been utilized really well. And like you said, he's been a world champion. I have heard different stories about him rubbing people the wrong way behind the scenes. But really, you could say that about a lot of wrestlers over the years. He would, he's, not, he's not the first, and he's not going to be the last. And sometimes you just need to push things aside in order to have a really good product. You know, you know, there are a lot of egos in the world of professional wrestling, and I'm sure Austin Aries is no different. Um, and I'm sure he's he, just like anybody. There's probably days where he's in a good mood and days when he's in a bad mood. And if you catch him when he's in a bad mood, he's probably insufferable. But again, it's a lot of wrestlers that are like that. <coughs> CM Punk. Um, so, no, but I agree 100%. He's, he's a great talent. I've always been a fan of his ring work and his promos definitely deserve more in WWE. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I think you're absolutely right, but I don't think I'd want a wrestler on my program who didn't have some kind of chip on his shoulder. I think it's that pushes them to that 
next year, that next want to be great, want the title no matter what. So, and you're right, there's a lot of wrestlers like that. Some of the best wrestlers, uh, some of our favorites uh, growing up, if you ever watch uh, behind the scenes or uh, anything like the, any kind of those shows, those documentaries, you will be surprised. Some of your favorite wrestlers were jerks in real life, but they had to keep that edge. Remember, this is their livelihood. This is their job. They get up and do this every single day. So, yeah, they've got to keep that edge somehow. So, uh, so now we'll go into our uh, 10, top 10 promos. Uh, since, uh, Donnie, uh, I had you start off, I'll go ahead and start off this one, uh, if you don't mind, and uh, we'll Take it away. get right into it. <laughs> All right, then. You didn't have to do that. Uh, okay, so top 10. And, th- by the way, these are not in any particular order. Uh, these are... As I could think of them, <laughs> uh, you know, I come, we come up with this idea and then I'm like, oh, this is a little bit more. Di-. There's so many of them. It was my problem. There's so many of them out there. I, I think we'll have a lot of fun when we do the uh, top 10 worst promos as well. Uh, but anyways, let's go ahead and get running here. Uh, number one on my list, once again, in no particular order, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, King of the Ring promo in 1996. Uh, saw the coining of a couple of Austin's uh, two most notable catchphrases. For the reason alone, it remains an iconic speech. Uh, you sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers, and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about your John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whooped your eyes. That, was, I, I, that promo will... Go down in history. It already has uh, as one of the best ever, especially in my opinion. Uh, number two, 1985, Dusty Rhodes cut one of the greatest promos on Ric Flair leading up to their championship match. Uh, he was relating directly to the working class. Rhodes delivered what many considered uh, to be the best promo of his career. I don't know about that. I mean, it was a great promo but he had so many. <laughs> he was such a great talker on the mic. Uh, but uh, one thing I remember from that was uh, hard times. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them to go home. And hard times are when a man has worked a job 30 years. 30 years, they give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. <laughs> oh, man. Some of the old stuff you just can't replace. Uh, number three, Paul Heyman. Uh, Paul Heyman was able to spread his wings as head of ACW, and I've actually talked about this statement before. It's just it, it's so iconic to me. Uh, at One Night Stand 2005, uh, he let the visiting WWE superstars have it. One of the things I loved that he said that night was to JBL, the only reason you were WWE champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. <laughs> um, the next one, uh, fed up with not getting the respect he deserved as a WWE Intercontinental Champion. I think we all remember this one. Uh, this wasn't actually a promo, but man, it really, because this was like real life stuff, it, it, it threw me for a loop. Uh, the Miz snapped 
on the SmackDown uh, general manager at that time, uh, Daniel Bryanson, delivering a few minutes of fire that actually caused uh, Daniel Bryanson to get up and walk off. This was on the show they used to have called Talking Smack. Uh, it, it came on after SmackDown Live. Uh, it was like their own personal talk show. It did. It allowed characters to express themselves openly and created moments, uh, just like I'm talking about. Quote, well, why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls with your indie friends, Daniel? I mean, The Miz really let into him. Uh, that might be my top one. I thought that was great. Uh, number five, and this is one, uh, and that's what we'll do, sir. We'll go one through five, and then I'll let you do five, and then we'll come back. Um, number five, Hulk Hogan. I've talked about this one before. When he finally turned heel to join the New World Order in 1996, Bash of the Beach. It was, uh, it was just one of those things that will go down in history, man, uh, as the, uh, you know, he's the most known figure in the industry when it comes to professional wrestling. And in one swoop, he became the biggest villain there was. Uh, what did he say? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents the fans out there. For two years, brother, for two years, I, I held my head high. I did everything for charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. Because if, if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. <laughs> I mean, only Hollywood could put it so eloquent. But there's a, there's, we'll start off with my top five. What do you think, sir? Those are great ones. They're they're very tough to top, Kentucky guy. I gotta I gotta say that. But uh, so let's see what my uh, top five. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go a little outside the box here with some of these. They're not quite uh some of them might not be quite as well known, but if you're a true wrestling fan, you uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Well, now, the, now the first one is obviously a real well uh, well known one. It's from 1997, Monday Night Raw, the three faces of Foley. This was uh, Mick Foley playing Mankind, Dude Love, and introducing Cactus Jack to the world for the very first time. And I'll never forget, all three of them were, through the, through the magic of trick photography, were standing backstage in an interview area, and then Cactus Jack's music hits, he comes out and he gets into a brawl with Triple H. And that, that was the debut of the man from Truth or Consequences New Mexico in, in the World Wrestling Federation. So that was a great one. Promo number two was actually from 2016, also an episode of Raw. This was the night that Goldberg officially came back to the WWE. Now, I personally was never impressed by Goldberg's promos during his career, even though I was um, a Goldberg fan. I always thought he was one of those guys who just should just keep his mouth shut and let the wrestling talk for itself. But he came out and he made this passionate promo. And he got to one point where he was talking about how he had thought about retiring and calling it a career. But then Brock Lesnar came out and challenged me to a fight. And that was what segued into Goldberg finishing the promo with Goldberg at Survivor Series, or excuse me, Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Not only are you next, but you're last. Well, you were last until you pay, me, pay him a big paycheck. And then Goldberg continued wrestling after that. But it was a great promo. 
Uh, my number three choice was definitely, and, and you know, unfortunately, I'm going to steal this from your list, Kentucky guy, but the uh, the Paul Heyman ECW one night stand promo that was absolutely amazing. Um, I especially loved his his joke: uh, "Hide your wives, it's Edge." Edge, I've only got two words for you, Matt Bleepin' Hardy. <laughs> that was also a great promo. Um, number four, there was a really great promo on an episode of Nitro. It was right after Roddy Roddy Piper had, um, Rowdy Roddy Piper had debuted. And it was the night that he exposed Eric Bischoff as the, as the secret financier of the NWO. Because Bischoff had been coming out week after week, talking about how the NWO were a bunch of thugs, they were disrupting WCW, we're going to do what we can to take this programming back for the fans, and Piper came out, he looked Bischoff dead in his eye, and he, he was he, he kept asking him, you know, who who put you up to this, who put you up to this, you're, you're working with the March Eric. And uh, yeah, it was a great promo segment, and of course at the end of it, they finally revealed that Eric Bischoff was, in fact, working with the NWO and had been all along. So a uh, great segment. And then number five, uh, you know, I, th- th- this this was a tough one, but there was um, actually, no, this wasn't a tough one. It was one of the funniest things I ever saw. It was the uh, night in uh, 2006 when Degeneration X dressed up as the McMahons and they came out <laughs> And and Triple H uh, and Triple H said the famous line. Uh, every as Vince McMahon, I should say, said the famous line. Now everyone seems to make up this story that I Triple H or that I Vince McMahon like roosters. He said another words to describe roosters, and he said, and that's not true. What I like are are great men, people like uh, like like uh, like like Dick Ebersol and Dick Cheney and Dick Clark. And then he of course says. I, Vincent Kennedy, man, love, you know. <laughs> and then uh, he was interrupted by Shawn Michaels, who was dressed as Shane McMahon, and he was doing Shane McMahon's famous shuffle that he always does when he comes out to the ring, and Triple H would just stand there as Vince McMahon and go, shut up. I love so. So that was great. Another great one. <laughs> yeah, I love that segment. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels is dancing around like Shane McMahon, and uh, uh, Triple H goes, Stop it! And he falls to the ground. <laughs> uh, you know, DX, they really... Uh, I'm surprised they're not on my list. They, they actually cut some great promos. Uh, uh, I remember a time when they actually... Uh, they acted like they were the nation of domination, the rock. <laughs> D-Lo, uh, that was fantastic, too. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, those are some really good ones, man. Uh, the Mick Foley one, um, I had actually forgot about that. I kind of... Uh, kind of think it's kind of crummy that I didn't have that one and you did. So, but yeah, some really good ones there, man. Uh, so this one here, I, I guess the reason why this is on my list is because it was, it, it's a something that we didn't see a whole lot of uh, way back then. Is when somebody's personal life was brought in. We see it more and more now, obviously, but uh, back then you really didn't see, especially during the Attitude Era, and that was Eddie Guerrero. He had a real life battle with addiction. And it actually made its way onto the screen, uh, and probably, in my my opinion, probably one of Eddie Guerrero's most—I wouldn't say his best promo, but his most personal uh, promo ever. 
and that was with Brock Lesnar. And uh, one of the things he said was, uh, when I stand across from you and I see that across your waist, that symbolizes for me, I'm sorry. That's my way of telling my family, I'm sorry. That's my way of telling my kids, I'm going to provide a better way of life for them. That's my new addiction. I really thought that was something else and pretty expiring uh, from Eddie Guerrero. We know what happened later uh, with him, of course. You know, it was the first time he won the heavyweight title in the WWE. Uh, and then, you know, tragic accident afterwards, but uh, what have you. But, yeah, I, I really like that. And that's the first time, not the first time, but one of the rare times they actually brought real life into it. Kind of like with the, like you were talking with Matt Hardy and Edge. Uh, during Shawn Michaels, uh, real life and K-Fab feud with Bret Hart. Uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels only, only as Shawn Michaels can. This is number seven for me. Uh, he turned the entire country of Canada against him by doing nothing. This was before the Montreal screw job. Uh, just his words and his disrespect. Uh, the, the entire feud was, uh, one of defining rivalries during the, uh, attitude era. Uh, the highlight for this whole, this whole feud and this promo <laughs> was when he said, who's your daddy, Montreal. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Uh, number eight, uh, Paul Heyman once again, and I really thought this was great. Uh, I know that this was just a uh, a shoot, but man, there there had there definitely seemed like there's some personal uh, stuff in there. And this is when he was allowed to Paul Heyman was allowed to be let loose on Vince McMahon. It was on SmackDown in 20, uh, 2001, uh, and he was airing out his grievances and shaming his boss uh, for turning wrestling into a dirty word. Uh, man, it, it just seemed. This was one of Paul Heyman's coming out promos, I think, uh, which is saying a lot, giving his talent on the microphone. Uh, one of the things that I wrote down was, uh, you ran all the competition into the ground, and you stole their ideas, and you made yourself a billionaire out of it. And you know who I, whose ideas you stole the most, Vince? You stole mine. You stole my life. And I remember that, and I was thinking, whoa. This is personal. This isn't, you know, a shoot. And I'm sure it was a shoot, but there was a little bit of uh, truth into that. Uh, as we all know with ECW and Vince buying ECW. And I think it made it just an even better promo. Like I said, Paul Heyman is great on the microphone, but this was kind of his coming out uh, without all the cussing and stuff that he was doing on ECW and truly just laying down the hammer like he does today very well. Uh, number nine. <laughs> so what this promo, let me explain a little bit about this. What this promo lacked, this was on Impact Wrestling. What, what, it, what it lacked as far as words, it made up in creativity. This is my, fa this is my number one. It's number nine, but this is my number one. And this was Jay Lethal when he interrupted Ric Flair and his faction. And <laughs> he went back and forth with Flair. What he was doing 
is he was impersonating Ric Flair to a T, to a T. He brought back catchphrases that Ric Flair uh, said over the years and probably even forgot about. Uh, it was just one of the best segments uh, I've ever seen. And one of the things he said <laughs> to Ric Flair, remember, this is the guy he's impersonating. He goes, tonight, you're going to find out that jumping on is a lot easier than jumping off. <laughs> I just, and if you guys are a Ric Flair fan, you'll know exactly what that meant. Uh, but I, I just, I thought it was great. That's actually my number one. Uh, number 10. Uh, and this right here, boy, this ranks right up there, man, because this is one of those, what the crap moments? What, what, is this real? What's going on here? And that's when WWE at that time, Scott Hall crashed an episode, or at least we thought he was still with WWE, crashed an episode on WCW's Monday Nitro uh, in the middle of a match, declaring a war between the two wrestling companies. This was for, for the first time. We'd always done it in our minds and on video games, but it actually it blurred the line between is this real or is this reality? Unlike we'd ever seen before. This is, remember, the internet wasn't like it is now. You couldn't just push a few buttons and find out who Scott Hall was working for. Uh, and it ushered in a kind of a new era, I think, of wrestling. And one of the greatest things Scott, Scott Hall said at the end that really left, I know it left me sitting there with my mouth open, was, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one says the razor remote so there's my uh bottom five sir your thoughts some fantastic choices kentucky guy it's definitely definitely some great ones especially that last one by the late great scott hall all right uh so i've guess so i've got a couple of a couple of doozies here to add to the list um we'll say number six the famous Hulk Hogan uh, WrestleMania 4 promo. This is when he was being interviewed by Mean Gene Ogerland right before his match with Andre the Giant. And he, and I'm not going to say the whole thing, but it's just going to be like, if you look in, my, in their eyes, man, have you seen the fear in all those little Hulksters? They realize that when I get Andre the Giant cinched up in the launch position, when I slam him through the Trump Plaza, brother, from New York down to Tampa, Florida, the fault line is going to break off. And he just goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, in classic Hulk Hogan style, which was amazing. Um, number seven was another another classic one. This is from uh, WCW Nitro. It was the night that uh, Kurt Henning joined the Four Horsemen. And it started out, the segment was Steve Mongo, McMichael, Ric Flair, and Chris Benoit were in the ring with Kurt Henning. And they kept asking him what his answer was. They, they were asking him week after week, are you going to join the horseman or, or are you not? And Kurt was like, I'd love to give you an answer right now, but I just can't. So then Arn Anderson came out. Arn Anderson proceeded to tell a story about how he could no longer wrestle because they had taken, uh, they had fused a couple of vertebrae in his neck and it killed him each and every day that he couldn't get back in the ring. But he took a look at a, Kurt Henning, and he saw a lot of himself in Kurt Henning, and that's why he wasn't offering him a spot. Not a spot, but his spot as the enforcer of the Four Horsemen, and it was in that moment that 
Kurt Henning said it would be a privilege. He shook Arn Anderson's hand and he joined the Four Horsemen. And then, of course, we know several weeks later he betrayed the Four Horsemen. <laughs> but it was a great moment, big moment indeed. And then uh, to, to piggyback off of that with the Four Horsemen, number eight was a year later when the Four Horsemen were, were reformed on Monday Nitro. J.J. Dillon, who had been the manager of the Four Horsemen back in the day, had led them to numerous championships and tons of box office success. He came out and introduced the current lineup of the Four Horsemen. First, he, Well, first he introduced Arn Anderson, who brought out Chris Benoit. He brought out Steve Mongo McMichael. He brought out Dean Malenko. And then he said, oh, what a goof. I almost forgot the Four Horsemen. Ric Flair, come on down here. Ric Flair came down to the ring, which was his first time on TV in uh, several months because of real-life issues between him and Eric Bischoff. Flair came in the ring. He cut a passionate promo, said that the horsemen were back. It was just this big, big, big moment in uh, wrestling history to see them come back and reform on, uh, on Nitro. Number nine. This is a little bit of a controversial one, but the reason I like this one so much is because it was so out of character for this wrestler when it happened. So about a week before WrestleMania 13 in 1997, Bret Hart was competing against Psycho Sid for the WWF title in a steel cage match. Bret Hart lost the match after interference from both The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Bret was standing in the ring. Vince McMahon, who was still a commentator at this point, comes in the ring, walks up to Bret, and he says, Bret, the Hitman Hart, I know you must be frustrated. And Bret Hart, sa and Bret Hart says to him, frustrated? Frustrated isn't a gosh darn word for it. He said something worse than that. He said, he would say, this is BS. And he, and he went on and on for about two or three minutes talking about how he was just getting screwed over and over again, how how no one in the back does anything for him. Everybody screws him. It was, it was Bret Hart unhinged. You had never seen that before in your life. And it was actually, in many ways, it was, it was shocking, of course, but it was really refreshing too, because you got to see a side to Bret Hart that you didn't know existed. And that's actually what prompted him to turn heel right after that. And then of course my, um, and again, this, this was a tough one to choose because this wrestler has so many amazing promos, but I just don't know how anyone in their in their right mind, whether you're a wrestling fan or not, cannot watch the Rock This Is Your Life segment from night from nineteen ninety nine with him and mankind and not just double over and laugh from everything they did in that segment. From the way the rock would react to the, the people from his past, his old coach, his old teacher, his old girlfriend coming out. And him also saying to mankind, the, the Rock's the Rock's birthday is May 2nd, you stupid SOB. <laughs> it was just gold from the word go. And the two of them just had such amazing chemistry on the mic. Not to mention in the ring, because the two of them had to, you know, gone to war with one another months earlier. And now we're tag team partners. But uh, yeah, those are my top picks, Kentucky guy. That, that was amazing, uh, especially there at the end. Uh, the uh, <laughs> This is your life. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, probably favorite, uh, the favorite uh, episodes uh, ever between those two. It, it was uh, it was just amazing. Mankind had so I'm I'm surprised he's not in my top ten because he had so many uh, different promos. Uh, like you said in the Rock, of course. I mean the 
The Rock was always a gem on the mic. Uh, yeah, some great ones there, sir. Uh, really, uh, really enjoyed that list a lot. Uh, I thought it was uh, spot on uh, with your analysis on what you were, uh, you know, on the way you called it, each person. And uh, I thought that uh, some of the stuff that I actually forgot about, and I'm like, huh, you know, why didn't I think of that? What's my problem? <laughs> no, so good job, man. Awesome. Okie dokie. So let's, oh, by the way, uh, I noticed that, uh, that you were, uh, struggling a little bit to talk there at the end. Um, are you feeling, are you not feeling so oozy? <laughs> I guess I just, I'm not feeling oozy today. So, so can we stop for just a second and talk about how great Sammy Zane is right now? Uh, he is just, uh, <laughs> He's just amazing. Uh, he is, uh, I don't know what the plan is. I did find out a little bit, uh, some stuff, like when we talked about, you and I talked about several episodes ago, how this couldn't last very much longer. Uh, it was, uh, it seemed like it was coming to an head a while back. Well, my friend, we were both correct. Uh, this wasn't, this was only supposed to last maybe a month at the longest. Uh, however, it's gone over so well, and Sami Zayn being the major part of that, uh, that's why they've continued it, and that's why they're continuing it. Don't get me wrong, it, it's not going to last that much longer, but I don't blame them. It's so hot right now. Why not let it go as far as it can go? Because uh, it's one of the, besides the Bray Wyatt uh, that's happening right now, it's one of the best things uh on SmackDown, in my opinion, uh, in the J, the J Uso and Roman Reigns, uh, clause there. What is, I mean, you have to wonder what's going to happen there. You know, what's, what's next? How's it all going to boil over? What part is Sami Zayn going to play in it, in this destruction? Also, if you haven't noticed, Kevin Owens, not on television right now. Why? Because, as you and I talked about, and we were spot on, I was very proud of us and kind of stunned as well uh, when I got this information uh, earlier this week. I had been actually sitting in my email inbox forever. <laughs> I wasn't able to check it. But anyways, uh, Kevin Owens is meant to do something with Sami Zayn and was supposed to as soon as the bloodline turned on Sammy. However, things have went in an opposite direction, so they really don't have a whole lot right now for Kevin Owens. So intentionally, this isn't like, oh, we don't have any work for him or anything like that, because they do, but they're just waiting for this, the heat and the momentum of the bloodline uh, to calm down a little bit because it's so hot. He's just sitting there waiting. And I think that's a fantastic move. It's something we don't see enough of. I think uh, AEW, and I'm sure Tony Khan didn't do it on his own. I'm sure Chris Jericho had a part to play in this decision. But just like how they sat on MJF, you know, making us all wonder if it was a work or a shoot for as long as they did, that's how you bring your fans and make them start caring. Now, I just seen Kevin Owens. I went to a live show. Uh, a week ago Sunday, and he was he fought with uh, Johnny Gargano against the Usos, 
And I'll tell you guys one thing. If you've never seen the Usos live, wow. No wonder they've been tag team champions so long. They put on a heck of a show. I mean, I enjoy them on television, but I'd much prefer, you know, there's some wrestlers, you're like, ah, they're better on TV than they were live. You know, you, you can tell, like, uh, they're not really hitting this move or what have you. Not the Usos, man. They're full force. And what's crazy was the crowd loved them. They got such a huge pop uh, until until Kevin Owens showed up. We weren't expecting Kevin Owens to even be there. So when he come, comes out as Johnny Gargano's uh, uh, partner, <laughs> they start booing the Usos, which Jay, uh, Jay and Bailey, they were on there two separate times. But Jay and Bailey, I have to say, stole that show, the live show, the Sunday Sunder I was at. It was just phenomenal. And those two there live, uh, I'd pay money just to watch them again. But anyways, your thoughts on the bloodline, sir? Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy how, you know, these guys are the top heels in the company, but yet they are probably the most over group on the roster. Um and, you know, this storyline with Sami Zayn, let's be honest, it could have been really stupid. It could have been just one of those fly-by-night stories that took up TV for a couple of weeks and then just just went completely in another direction. Um, you know, they beat him up, and then he's kicked out of the bloodline, and that's it. But he's really been connecting with his character work. And I'll tell you, this segment on SmackDown last week definitely had me cracking up big time. Um and it definitely had the uh, wrestlers themselves cracking up big time as well. Because did you notice the only people they were really able to keep the camera on during the segment were Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, and Sami Zayn. Because even though you saw the three of them, you, you know, breaking character and laughing a bit, I'm willing to bet that the reason they didn't put the camera on Solo Sokoa and why Jimmy Uso was all the way in the background is because they couldn't control their laughter the whole time. So, um... Yeah, so you know it, it's fun every now and then. It's fun every now and then seeing wrestlers break character because you could just see that they enjoy what they do so much for a living. Uh, I was saying, uh, Paul Heyman, uh, they could not show him because, and I really, uh, it hasn't come out either way. I, I'm really wondering if that was, you know, he hasn't filled Usi that line. I, I'm wondering if that was scripted or not. Because that caught Roman Reigns. I mean, Roman Reigns is one of the best I've seen at not breaking character. And that got him. As soon as he said it, that, that got him. And when Roman Reigns repeated it to Jey Uso, who is probably the second best uh, wrestler to ever break character, always got that stern look on his face, ready to go, what have you, no matter what the situation is. He lost it, too. He had to put his... Uh, is a handover <laughs> when Roman Reigns repeated it. So, like I said, everything right now, Sami Zayn is touching, uh, is turning to goat. So, uh, and you're right. It was only supposed to be two or three weeks. It was only supposed to be a month. It was just a playoff to uh, push uh, Zayn and Owens together to be a tag team again. That was the whole purpose of all of it. But they've done such a phenomenal job that they're rolling with, and I don't blame them. I'm here for it, man. I, I enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you're right. I think it's uh, 
it's okay to break character every now and again. Don't do it like WCW is doing it and try to act like you're doing it every time because it comes fake uh, at that point. But yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And that segment, uh, I think maybe that might've been one of the reasons why Roman Reigns was by himself on raw. <laughs> no more distractions. So speaking of Roman Reigns, let's move on to crown jewel, the match card. And, uh, we'll go over this and give our prediction for the tomorrow, tomorrow's pay-per-view. Uh, by the way, uh, folks, and I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the episode, and I apologize. Uh, Donnie and I have been talking, and we have decided, uh, God willing, let's throw that in there because you never know what happens. <laughs> uh, we have decided that on November 26th, Survivor Series War Games, uh, we are going to live stream that show with you. Uh, you're welcome to join us. We'll have all the information and all the details before then on how to join uh, so we can talk about the match and, uh, you know, kind to, uh, you know, get to know each other and uh, sit around and, and watch some sports and have a little bit of fun. Uh, we don't get to do that very often. And uh, if you guys enjoy it and we can get through it without too much of a uh, technical difficulties uh, and time allows, we may do more of those. We'll see. Isn't that right, sir? That's right, sir. <laughs> Short and sweet and on the ball. That's what I love about it. All right. So let's go to Crown Jewel. Undisputed WWE Universal Championship title. Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. Uh, I think I'm going to pick uh, Logan. Uh, no, Roman Reigns. Your choice, sir. I just want to say that this is going to be match of the night, five stars, all-time classic, and the new undisputed WWE Universal Chump will be Logan Paul. But Roman Reigns is going to win the match, and he's still going to be the uh, tribal chief and the uh, undisputed champion. Yeah, did you watch that uh, that fight Saturday with uh, Logan Paul's uh, brother, Jake Paul, versus uh, Sylvia, that boxing match? I did not, but I uh, heard that Jake Paul is going to be accompanying Logan to the ring. Yeah, they're supposed to stand uh, uh, pre-match or something toe-to-toe with the bloodline. But uh, on that match, I, I have to admit, Logan or Jake Paul, he actually looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, he won the match. And you've got to remember, he's got 20 years. He's 20 years younger on uh, Sylvia. But he actually, he took some hits. Uh, the first time I've seen him take actual, actual hits. He usually fights people that are way older than him and way out of their prime. And, and there's no difference in this match. But uh, Sylvia can still throw a punch or two. Once again, his sport was MMA, not boxing. But, uh, yeah, I thought Jake Paul, he actually looked pretty good during that match. Uh, it has nothing to do with this match. Logan Paul, I'm sure of. I'm sure it'll be a good show or what have you. They're trying to build up this steel plate in his fist and he's got this magic punch or whatever. But I mean, we all know why he's in the main event and why he's even in the event. So now yeah, let's move on. Uh, the next match on the card, by the way, this is in no particular order. This is just how it came to me. 
uh, the OC, AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows versus Judgment Days, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. Uh, I think that uh, even though I think Dominic is going to be the weakest link, uh, I do feel that Judgment Day uh, is going to win this match. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense uh, why you need to put the OC over Judgment Day. Uh, Judgment Day should be the faction that you're looking to build towards uh, for the future. Uh, so that's my prediction. Yours, sir? So I actually disagree with you on this one. The only reason is because since it's not one of the big shows of the year, I don't think it would hurt Judgment Day in a big way if they lost, especially if they get their heat back after the match with some sort of sneak attack. So I'm actually going to predict that the OC is going to walk away with a victory this time around. Will they? I got a question for you on this match. And I, and I don't I don't agree. I, I don't like I don't hate that answer, to be honest with you, because I, I kind of was leaning that way, too, because I'm like, why do you bring back Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows uh, in their first big pay-per-view, uh, big pay-per-view to them uh, to lose? So uh, my question is, do you think that the OC is going to recruit a female to deal with the Judgment Day female who continues, uh, Ray Ripley continues to be a huge thorn in their side because none of these guys want to hit her. And also, after SmackDown, well, we've seen what was said in the locker room. So do you think that they're going to bring in a female on the OC? And if you do, who do you think it might be? Ooh, that's a tough one as far as who it's going to be. Um, the one thing I will say is I, I think it would benefit them to bring a female in. That way you could actually have somebody who could fight back against Rhea Ripley. Um, I, I almost would have guessed, uh, I almost would have guessed Liv Morgan just because of her history with the OC, but I feel like they're taking her character in a different direction. So I don't think it's going to be Liv Morgan. Yeah, um, so somebody, a female that's been tagging in house shows a lot with AJ Styles and someone that knows Rhea Ripley very well, uh, and this is just me spitballing out loud, uh, I think it could be, they're definitely going to have to bring somebody in. They're never going to get the upper hand if they don't. Uh, she interferes all the time, and none of these guys are going to hit her, which I don't blame them. However, if you go to other wrestlings like New Japan and Impact, they have, uh, you know, men versus women, you know, for titles and everything. Anyways, I think that uh, if they bring somebody in, I think the a very strong possibility could be Raquel Rodriguez. She has a history with Rhea Ripley, and she has a history with AJ Styles. They've been uh, cross-promoting tag teams uh, here lately, so, and house shows. That could be interesting. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. And then we have uh, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, I, I, I of course, have Brock Lesnar. Uh, why are you going to bring him back? Uh, I do think Bobby Lashley is going to have a good match uh, because he's got some redemption uh, that he feels, and I, I don't think this is going to be a one. And one of the reasons why I picked Brock Lesnar is because I don't feel this is going to be a one-and-done match. I feel that uh, this uh, this feud's going to last a little while, so it could be interesting. Your thoughts? 
I'd have to agree with you. I also I also go with the beast Brock Lesnar to win this matchup because I don't think this is the uh, end of their feud. And then we have Braun Strowman versus Omos. Uh, of course, I pick Braun Strowman, uh, even though I hate. And by the way, Omos, <laughs> I got to tell you this real quick, Donnie, because this is the first time we've chatted since I went to this live event. So our truth comes out to the ring. I had no idea he was going to be there. Actually, I had no idea all three of these guys. It was not announced that these three guys were going to be even in the city, let alone the building. R-Truth comes out there, and he has the crowd amped up. Now, he said something that's so funny to me, because we know we all know how long R-Truth has been in the wrestling business, and we know pretty much how old he is. He says he wants to pay Amish to his favorite WWE wrestler when he was growing up that he used to watch every Saturday on television. He wants to pay homage to John Cena <laughs> and have an open challenge. Then uh, you get that you get why that's funny, right? Yes. <laughs> John No response yeah, required. John Cena's a lot younger than our truth. Anyways, uh, so then MVP shows up and walks out by himself. And our truth is uh he's excited. He thinks he's gonna wrestle MVP. You know he's not going to. MVP's in a suit. So anyways, and R-Truth is, is just amazing. By the way, he was injured for real on NXT on Tuesday. I uh, hope he gets well soon. Uh, he's, he's a great hype man. I know his wrestling days are pretty much behind him, but he's a great hype guy, and that's what he was doing. Anyways, uh, MVP goes, you'll wrestle anyone, anyone, right? Like, yeah, it's open challenge. And here comes Omos. <laughs> and R-Truth. Omos, I can't wrestle you, buddy. Omos is looking at him, MVP's like, why? He's like, well, I didn't want to tell you like this, but I'm your pappy. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. So, anyways, needless to say, <laughs> go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So, needless to say that this doesn't make Omos happy at all. And he destroys uh, our truth. Anyways, what I was getting at, and first of all, I wanted to show the uh, the comedian that our truth is. He's just he's great. He really is. Uh, you have to have fun in wrestling. Uh, it's not. It's it's completely different than baseball, football, basketball. You've got to have a little bit of a comedy mixed in there, or it just gets too bland. So after the match, almost continues to destroy with the direction of MVP, destroy our truth All of a sudden, here comes Braun Strowman with his Christmas red pants, Santa Claus pants on, and they stand face-to-face again, just like what's amazing was, this is when, right after the SmackDown, when they first stood face-to-face in the ring, and Omos clotheslined Strowman over the top rope. This was the Sunday right after that. So they're standing there, and they go at it. This is the first time I've ever seen them actually hit each other, like physically hit, not just one clothesline or what have you. And Braun Strowman knocks Omos out of the ring, just like he did to him on the uh, previous Friday, a couple days beforehand. And MVP steps in and separates them. 
So this is going to be a good match. I think Braun Strowman's going to win it, hands down, even though he's going to be wearing those stupid Santa Claus pants. Uh, but my pick is Braun Strowman. What say you? I agree. I think uh, I think if they're given a little bit of time, this this might be an entertaining car wreck of a match of a match. Um, so I'm going to give them both the benefit of the doubt here. But I do I do agree. I pick the monster among men, Braun Strowman. And speaking of car crashes and why? Uh, oh yeah, I better put down your Braun Strowman. Uh, and uh, why this person is even on another pay per view? I don't know. Uh, but uh, Drew McIntyre versus Karrion uh, Cross, a steel cage match. Uh, Karrion Cross will, I hope he destroys this guy for trying to take his livelihood and using a freaking car because he couldn't get it done in the ring. So, of course, my choice is Karrion Cross. What say you? I would like to say that I agree with you, but. <laughs> I could see WWE having Drew McIntyre get his win back because of the fact that, again, we're not at one of the big shows of the year. And if you think about it, he's now lost two big premium live matches in a row. He lost to Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle, and he lost to Karrion Cross at Extreme Rules. So if Drew were to win this match, which I'm predicting he's going to... Um, it could be because maybe Scarlett tries to get involved. Maybe she tries to pull up that pepper spray again, and this time it backfires. And I could potentially see Drew uh, taking advantage of it at that point. You know, what surprised me was Karrion uh, Cross. He, he had a match with uh, Mad Calf Moss, and he attacked him after the match. And there was no big bad Drew McIntyre then. Yeah, he uh, he was nowhere to be seen. So that shows you right there that he is a fraud. He's only worried about himself. And he shouldn't even be wrestling in the WWE. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, then we have the Undisputed Tag Team Championship. Uh, the Usos versus the Brawling Brutes, which is Butch and uh, Rich uh, Hodlin. By the way, the Brawling Brutes, uh, they faced Imperium at that live show. And I have to say one thing. Rich Holland is getting a lot better than what I thought he was. He did some moves there that I was actually able to, I don't know, for some reason, when well, you know, when you're live, you can kind of pay better attention to the actual moves that they do. Uh, especially if you're like me, I'm, I'm crazy, I... I try to see if uh, how they're faking it and <laughs> how far off it is and what have you. But uh, anyways, uh, he is, uh, man, he, he's getting better. So uh, maybe he will redeem himself after the Big E thing. But anyways, they're fighting the Usos. I don't understand why they're, I mean, I understand the feud that just got started. But, I mean, there's no way that these two, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge uh, Butch fan. Well, not a Butch fan, but. Uh, you know, uh, I, the Usos will, will win this easily. I don't see them dropping the undisputed tag team reign as long as they've had it to, uh, especially on this type of pay-per-view and to the Brawling Brutes. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I, I, I'm i liking uh, how Ridge Holland's improving in the ring in recent months, and I'm always going to be a Pete Dunne slash Butch fan, uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't see them winning the titles here from the Usos, so Usos are my pick as well. Pete Dunne, I don't know why I could not think of his name just now. Yeah, Pete Dunne, that's who, I'm not a Butch fan, but I'm a Pete Dunne fan. A bruiser weight. <laughs> and he looks like Pete Dunne. All he needs is his name back. He's no more the the short hair and uh, or what have you. Uh, then we have the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair uh, versus Bailey in a last women's standing match. Uh, I think this is it. I think Bailey is finally going to uh, get the title. I think it's long overdue. And uh, I hope uh, Bianca Ponytail Girl takes a break for a while and goes somewhere and does something else. Your thoughts? Mm, Kentucky guy, Kentucky guy, Kentucky guy. Uh, I know you're not going to like me for this, but I don't think this is Bianca Belair's uh, time to lose. I think uh, the EST is going to win this last woman standing match because I feel, personal opinion, that when the Queen eventually makes her return to WWE television, she is going to become the number one contender for the Raw Women's title, and we're going to see a feud between her and Bianca Belair. So, Bailey, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to say it, but I don't think you were winning this match. You see, I think when the Queen returns, I think she's going to uh, go to SmackDown, and they're going to continue where they left off with uh, Ronda Rousey because she's got some unfinished business there since WrestleMania. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But I really don't know who Ronda Rousey, who she's got left to beat. <laughs> on SmackDown, so could be wrong, though. I mean, we have Becky Lynch who could pop back in the scene anytime, so who knows? But, uh, yeah, Bianca Belair, uh, man, she's had that title way too long. Uh, she was at uh, Sunday Stunner, uh, and it was actually her versus Bayley uh, for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, damage Control got involved, got Bayley disqualified, Absolutely destroyed Bianca Belair, but then we had someone who was not on the card. And that's one thing I really liked about this show. It's the first time I ever experienced it where they had so many wrestlers who weren't announced, like actually good wrestlers. Uh, here comes Alexa Bliss out of the out of the back. And uh, then we have an impromptu match that's not on anybody's program or has ever been announced. Uh, with uh, Bailey and Bianca Belair versus uh, Dakota Kai and um, and Bailey, so yeah, so Alexa Bliss and uh, Belair versus uh, Dakota Kai and Bailey. I'm gonna say one thing. We'll move on. Uh, Dakota Kai. I did not realize how great she was outside the ring. She, I, I never paid attention to it before. I guess that's one of those things you don't really watch. Uh, when you're watching on television, but she is uh, Darren Bailey's match when Bailey was in a singles match. Uh, she was Bailey's cheerleader. Uh, she done so much. You could just see uh, she's the thread that holds that group together. And I never really paid that kind of attention to her before, but she's a pretty phenomenal wrestler too. And then we have the last match on the card, uh, the woman, the women's tag team championship. Uh, Asuka and Alexa Bliss, who are currently the champions, by the way, 
uh, they will be taking on the former champs, Damage Control. I think that Damage Control is going to win the titles right back. Uh, a lot of people, I've heard it on the dirt sheets and everything. Uh, why would they, uh, you know, why would they have Oscar and Alexa Bliss win the titles and lose it back? Because they needed another match at Crown Jewel. Uh, don't let's not act like they haven't done this before. <laughs> it's been done several times where you have people win a title and then lose it at the next pay-per-view, even if it's just a few days or a week away. Alexa Bliss does not help herself, and we've been saying this forever now, it does not help her to be a tag team champion with Asuka. It does not help her in helping Bianca Belair fight against Damage Control and Bailey. It makes zero sense. So, of course, my pick is Damage Control. Your thoughts? I'm right there with you, Kentucky guy. I think Damage Control is going to win the belts back because Asuka and Alexa Bliss are both much better as singles competitors. Alexa Bliss needs to go back to being the conniving heel that she is so good at being. She's one of the best at cutting promos out of all the female wrestlers, in my opinion. And she needs to get back to it's her time to shine again. Um, and they've been holding her back for a while now. And yeah, let's let's stop this tag team nonsense and just get Alexa Bliss, uh, excuse me, Alexa Bliss back on track. And Asuka too, for that matter. Yeah, Asuka, I mean, Asuka was great as a heel too, uh, a singles competitor. You're not ready for Asuka. Uh, so that's the last match on the card. Here, here's one thing I want to mention and trying to, and trying to get your thoughts on. Why do you think, Bray Wyatt is going to be at Crown Jewel. He's not on the match card. On SmackDown last week, uh, we got kind of the reveal of Uncle Howdy, or whatever his name is. Uh, some people say that that, is, that that was Bray Wyatt. Some people say that that is Barry Windham, his actual uh, uncle. And some people have said that it's his actual brother, Bo Dallas. I don't know. I, I don't. I know that Bray Wyatt has a create he's a creative genius. I don't think though that the Wyatt Six represents six different personalities. I just don't see it because it's been done. McFoley's done it. It, it, it. It's been done. I really think that it's a faction with separate people. I'm not saying it's the puppets, but Uncle Howdy has something to do with it. And I don't think Bray Wyatt is going to be the leader of this faction the way he's talking anyways in his promos. So what are your thoughts about that? What What's he going to be? Why is he going to be at Crown Jewel? And what's your thoughts about Uncle? I, I guess I'm saying it right, Uncle Howdy. Yeah, that's also what I've heard. The character's name is Uncle Howdy. And yeah, I agree that I think it would work better if the Wyatt Six were actually six different people, Bray Wyatt being one of them. Um, as far as the identity of Uncle Howdy, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I assumed that that was Bray playing the role, but I could be completely off. I mean, maybe Bray could just be supplying the voice and it's digitally altered for television. Um, there's a lot of different ways they could take it. And I think the reason he'll be at Crown Jewel is uh, so that they can add an additional wrinkle to this story. 
I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I just, as I've said to you before, you, you have to draw things out a little bit, but you don't want to draw them out too much to the point where the audience starts to get restless. So I just hope that they don't do that. I hope that in the coming weeks we start to see, start to get some answers. I agree. Cause I'm, I'm actually starting to get a little bit restless. <laughs> I think you picked the perfect word there because I want to see him in the ring. I mean, he's not even chosen opponent and I get it. Like he's doing the slow build back and uh, it's been great. I'm not complaining whatsoever. Uh, you know how long I've been looking forward for him to come back to the WWE, but yeah, let's speed it up just a little bit, just a little bit and let's kick it into gear and see what's going to happen. Uh, and then, so let's talk a little bit more about SmackDown. So we had uncle Howdy come out there. I personally think that Uncle Howdy could very easily be Bo Dallas. I don't know why. I know the uh, the dirt sheets talk about a, a cross earring or something like that. Um, I don't really look at that kind of stuff. I kind of try to just look at the storyline and how it's built. And it would make more, first of all, Barry Windham is, he's been retired too long. There's no reason for him to be Uncle Howdy. Uh, Bo Dallas, there's been rumors ever since Bray Wyatt's been back that he's coming back. And usually, as we know, in Triple H's uh, creative world, where there's a little smoke, there's usually fire somewhere. So for some reason, I just I, I think it may be him because he would, you know, I am my brother's keeper. I mean, you, there's so many things you could do there where he's actually Bray Wyatt's, uh, Bray Wyatt's natural brother that, I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot to play with, more so than it being Bray Wyatt himself. But it could be. It could be a split personality. Uh, six split personalities, though, it'd be hard to sell, I think. Something interesting on SmackDown, though, that I really don't quite understand, Ronda Rousey, the SmackDown uh, Women's Champion, she had an open challenge. Uh, first of all, Ronda Rousey should always be a heel. She wrestles as a heel. She fights as a heel. She makes the faces as a heel. I thought they were putting her back as a heel where she belongs. And then she comes out smiling and waving and kissing babies and, and what have you. She does an open challenge. And then they bring back this wrestler. And this wrestler, I've never really been a fan of. But she definitely deserved some type of buildup. And her name is Emma. She accepted Ronda Rousey's open challenge. I just seen her wrestle not that long ago on TNT once or uh, Impact. Once again, I'm not a huge fan, but <laughs> if you're going to make her any credibility, because a lot of people probably don't remember her, it's been a long time since she's been on the WWE program. A lot of them, especially if they didn't watch the old NXT, have no idea who she is. So you've destroyed her credibility right when you bring her back. And I thought that was a huge miss on creative and the writers, uh, on the writer's behalf. I, I just, I, I don't quite get it. There was no, there was nothing saying she was coming back and here she comes. And you know, she's not going to beat Ronda Rousey, not on her first, uh, not on SmackDown, not with no buildup or anything. And, I didn't really think that she put up, I, I thought that was, they were kind of, both kind of had two left fingers in that match. They kind of bumbled over each other. So 
What are your thoughts about that? I only caught some of the highlights. Um, I had heard a rumor a little while ago when uh, Emma, who was also known as Tennille Dashwood, um, that her contract had expired with Impact and people were speculating she might come back to WWE now that Triple H was in charge because, again, she was a big success story in NXT. But again, she's another one of those wrestlers where she did really well for herself in NXT, but they completely misused her on the main roster. Now, obviously, if somebody knew booking, it's not Vince McMahon booking anymore. It's uh, it's Triple H. So maybe she could be used better at this point. But, um, you know, I always thought she was a pretty good worker personally. But, um, I mean, I wasn't overly impressed in this match. Um, but I And I do agree that if you're going to bring her back, little build would be nice. I mean, as much as we all like surprises, it's it's been a while since she's been on television. I'm sure that, that they have a lot a lot of new fans now that are watching the product than there were a few years ago. And you know, people have short-term memory sometimes and they can forget people. Well, first impression is key, right? And just like Johnny Gargano's wife, there was no build up for her to come back either and she lost her second match. And that's going to be the memory that these uh, wrestling fans have, I think. For sure. All right, so let's really quick go over Rampage's match card and SmackDown's match card tonight just to kind of let you guys know what's happening. By the way, tomorrow uh, is Crown Jewel, and it will be at noon Eastern time. Uh, Yeah, so it'll be at noon Eastern time. Uh, So Rampage uh, match card. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Jamie Hayter will take on Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Uh, Mike Tyson will be on the uh, Rampage tonight as a special guest commentator. Uh, that should be interesting. Uh, <laughs> we'll hear from Ricky Starks. Uh, Orange Cassidy will defend, hopefully and lose, uh, the AEW All-Atlantic Championship versus... Uh, Shibata, did I pronounce that correct? Uh, uh, is it a Katashori or Katashori? Yeah, Katashori, I think. Shibata, yeah. Uh, and that should be, uh, I'm not looking forward to Orange Cassidy wrestling him, but I would like to see him go against Pac once again because they had some great matches in New Japan, and I'm pretty sure that's probably why they brought him back, especially since he's going after the All-Atlantic Championship right from the get-go. So it should be interesting. Uh, SmackDown match card. We have Ricochet versus LA Knight. Uh, Gunther will defend his Intercontinental Championship against Rey Mysterio. Once again, why do you have an athlete like Gunther uh, not wrestling at Crown Jewel? I don't understand. And he has a title. And then the only other match announced uh, announced so far for SmackDown was Liv Morgan versus Sonya Deville a no disqualification match uh, real quick. And I'll turn it over to you, sir. Uh, I forgot to mention buzzing with Marlo. The episode where I was actually on his podcast has aired today. Uh, he hit me up earlier and let me know to make sure I announced it tonight. Uh, so that episode is live on YouTube and audio is available everywhere that you can listen to a podcast. But yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. I listened to a, a part. It's been a while since we actually taped it. <laughs> and uh, I listened to a little bit of it earlier. It was pretty. It was a lot of fun. I forgot how much fun it was. But uh, anywho, 
Uh, your thoughts on any of the match cards, sir? Yeah, see, uh, uh, Shabata showed up when uh, Orange Cassidy and Phoenix and Luchasaurus had a match on Dynamite Week uh, for the title. And uh, Orange Cassidy won, uh, amazingly. And Pac interfered, or he didn't interfere, but he attacked Orange Cassidy at the end of the match. Uh, Ray Phoenix was in the match, which is Pac's partner. And then that's when uh, Shibata came out and ran Pack uh, out of the ring. So that's what happened there. So that's why he kind of showed up uh, out of the blue, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. So this title match, uh, yeah, you know, and, and you say that you can't see him actually losing it uh, on Rampage. However, you, we have to remember he didn't win the title from Pac at a pay-per-view. Uh, the pay-per-view, uh, it was actually a television show when he won the title from Pac. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. It, it, it could go either way. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention right here at the end, and I know we're out of time, was also on Dynamite this week. Uh, the Gates of Agony hit the ring, and they start pounding Samoa Joe after his match with Brian Cage. And we hear this is war, and here comes Wardlow, right? Of course. So the embassy scatters, but uh, Hobbs, the big powerhouse Hobbs, from behind Wardlow, uh, actually does a spine buster to him. And then he poses with the TNT title. That's all fine and good. We know that they're not going to give the title to Hobbs over Wardlow. They love Wardlow. But what I liked, and I, I was just wondering if you caught this or heard about it, they, it faded to black, and it showed Aleister Black and uh, the female that's in uh, the House of Black and other people with, uh, like, uh, dressed as the Grim Reaper. So maybe, just maybe, they're coming back faster than what I thought. I, I hope so, because uh, we both agreed that House of Black was misused previously. And, of course, when... Uh, Malachi Black first uh, was off television. People speculated he was WWE bound. Then he had to, of course, get online and let people know, hey, not going back to WWE. I'm just taking some personal time off. Please 
you know, give me my privacy and everything. And I really like this promo and I hope that things play out better for the house of black when they return to TV because they are a talented team. Yeah. I think they need a little bit of new blood too. You know, somebody, I don't know, somebody just, just something new. Uh, don't get me wrong, buddy Murphy and, uh, Brody and Alistair black are enough, but, uh, I don't know. Just, uh, to sprinkle a little bit of excitement there. You know, you're bringing them back. Uh, here they come. All this speculation. Alistair Black, Black or um, whatever they call him on this show. Uh, he he does ask for his release. He doesn't get it. It's fine. He's a man. He knows it's part of his job. He knows he signed a contract. Uh, rumors everywhere. As you mentioned, he had to get on Instagram and do a live just to pretty much tell everybody to shut up <laughs> and now here he comes back uh just to add a little excitement it'd be nice to see uh i don't know who but somebody added to the group what do, what do you think about that i wouldn't be opposed i mean especially if it's a talent on the roster that they're not doing much with right now i wouldn't be opposed to them uh, having someone join the group and, you know, this kind of just popped into my head now. Um, and this, this might segue into something else you might comment on. But I actually feel like his look, that if he ever were to, like, uh, you know, change up his character a little bit, Darby Allen, I actually think, could fit in within the House of Black. If he ever wanted to really, like, drastically change his character. Yeah, he, uh, I think he's too small. Like, he'd definitely be the smallest guy on the team. But I was thinking uh, somehow during all this time off, they convinced Murrow to join, who is somebody who is very under underutilized in AEW right now. Hmm. I, yeah, I could see that. I, I just, you know, they had this thing with his wife in real life supposed to come to the company, and that never panned out, and... He's still, he's never on there. You don't even hear him talk about him anymore. And people have got to wonder, I do, like, what's going on? Where's he at? This is a, you know, a generational talent that we're not hearing from at all or nobody is even talking about. So they got to do something with them or let them go, right? Yeah. That is, uh, that's all the time that, uh, that's everything that I've got, sir. Uh, what do you have for the uh, for our listeners? Well, the, my the only other uh, thing I wanted to find out was I wanted to get your reaction to uh, to I, I referenced Darby Allen earlier, but uh, Darby Allen was the unfortunate victim of an of an El Cabong shot on uh, Dynamite earlier this week from a certain uh, former uh, country music singer. That's J E double F J A double R. E double T. Oh yes, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, so <laughs> Jeff Jarrett is one of those wrestlers who he's always got to be in the mix of something. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that he, uh, I'm talking just uh, a couple months ago that he was a part of WWE, the back office. Uh, he was actually a part of the WWE back office uh, when he participated in Ric Flair's last match. Actually, uh, he was a guest referee. I forgot about that. 
at SummerSlam the same weekend that he participated in Ric Flair's last match. He's always got to be a part of it. I knew it was a matter of time. I didn't think it would be right now. I certainly didn't expect him to show up on a dynamite, but I knew in a matter, in a matter of time, he would be make his presence felt in AEW. He's going to be one of those wrestlers. He's going to be just like Ric Flair and there's nothing wrong with it, but he's going to be known as a promotion whore. (laughs) He's going to be on every single wrestling promotion uh, that ever existed by the time he fully retires or leaves this earth. How much they do with him, you can possibly, there's a lot of history there between Jeff Jarrett and Sting. Uh, definitely, I don't think he can go with Darby Allen. Darby Allen's just too young. Uh, he looked good in that last match against Ric Flair, but I mean, you, you have to know your limits. They could possibly try to. Uh, Darby's, you know, like I mentioned, his mentor, Sting, or start something with Sting there and weed Sting out and become Darby Allen's mentor and Darby turning against Sting. I could see that because usually when Jeff Jarrett's involved, there's a complete flip, uh, usually a character who's ever involved with him. I'm not saying it's going to be Darby Allen for sure, but there's usually, I mean, if you think back to it, WCW, Impact, WWE, there's a complete flip of the character involved uh, in his current uh, saga. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what sticks, but that just seems like his his M.O. Your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. And they also also like to do this thing lots of times with Jeff Jarrett where, where he comes in. Um, not in this case, but I'm saying he'll, he'll come in and act like he has good intentions only to stab someone in the back months later um, because he had some sort of ulterior motive. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, obviously, they're going to have to explain in subsequent weeks why he targeted Darby Allen in the first place. So that'll be interesting. But like you said, he does have a lot of history with Sting, which we can't forget about. Yeah, and I'll never forget when uh, when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff uh, first came to TNA and Jared, uh, he was against them. He was against them, fought against them. Uh, they were going to fire him. He actually had a match against Mick Foley, uh, the loser leave, uh, the company. Uh, he actually won that match and that was the last time Mick Foley fought on, uh, TNA. Uh, and then by the time it was all said and done, he actually joined Hogan and Bischoff in the takeover of impact from Dixie Carter. So, uh, who, who knows? I mean, I'm, I've always liked Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I, I always thought that he was a better wrestler than he was a promoter. Uh, he's nothing like his dad was back in the day. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, his dad wasn't great. I mean, he loved potato salad. I hear, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I think he's, I always thought he was a better wrestler than he was, uh, owner, operator, or promoter. So it'd be interesting. It'd be very interesting. My thing is, uh, the ma- the, the biggest question that you didn't ask on uh, Dynamite is, uh, how do I feel about the freaking firm turning on my boy, MJF? What the heck is going on there? What are these guys 
Uh, uh, your boy MJF. The whole thing is probably just a swerve waiting to happen. We know MJF. He, he told those guys, yeah, put me through a table, do this, get some sympathy for me. It's the classic MJF playbook. I hope so. I hope so, because I'm really ticked off at the firm right now. Uh, I hope you're exactly right, but it just doesn't, because this has been building. Like, this wasn't just a quick, you know, like he walks out uh, in a state that has a horrible quarterback wearing Josh Allen's jersey, calling him a wonderful quarterback. It's not like that. This is This is several times now he's told them, to leave John Moxley alone and stay out of it. And you could tell he was kind of struggling. Uh, and this wasn't this episode. This was last episode of Dynamite. Uh, he was struggling internally whether to go to the ring or not. So I don't know. I hope it's a swerve. Uh, if not, I say uh, the firm needs to uh, pack their bags and move on. They just made a fatal mistake in the AEW. All right, sir. So that is all the time we do have, folks. Thank you guys so much uh, for listening to Against the Mat, a wrestling podcast with your co-hostess, the Kentucky Guy, and Donnie Cage. Uh, we will be back on here if everything goes okay on Monday. Be sure to check us out on all platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and the list goes on. Hey, God bless and God bless America. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>